Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of Do To Like Movies. We'll explain why it's a special edition here in a second. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Alec. What's up? So, yeah, um, it's special because we just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. We literally just got back from the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I guess it's special because this movie was supposed to come out July of last year, but because of the pandemic, it just came out yesterday. We're doing this on a Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, we, I guess because of the marketing, I didn't really, I, I forgot this movie was coming out because it wasn't really marketed very well. I saw a single trailer back in September and that was it. Basically. So it was kind of one of those, I had to market on my calendar things in order to remember to go see it because I don't remember seeing a whole lot of trailers. But then again, I haven't been to a movie in a theater since, well, no, I took that back. I had seen no time to die in a movie theater and I didn't see a trailer for Ghostbusters, which was weird anyway. But yeah, so we're going to talk about some good things, some nitpicking, and I mean, when I say nitpicking, some things that really just bugged us, but not, there was nothing really terrible in this movie, and yeah, then we'll get into spoilers, and yeah, so we'll start it out. Alec, can you give us a brief synopsis of this movie without going so into spoilers? So basically, what happened was uh, there was a mother and her two children, and it turns out that they were related to... Um, Harold Ramis's character from the movies. Uh, what was his last name? I'm pretty sure that's a spoiler there, buddy. I mean, it. everyone well, thought it. But. Well, well, you find that out. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I suppose. But you also have to think, too. I mean, they find out later on, but not that much later on, though, in the movie. Like they you, find out, I think, within, like, 30 minutes of them moving into it. Well, they do things throughout the movie, and they don't really say their last name or anything like that. But sorry to cut you there. It's just I want to, you know, you can tell from the trailers. You can make an educated guess who their grandfather is. Yeah, but but still, they they find out that oh, their grandfather died, um, and now because the mom is bad with money, she's getting evicted, so they have to move into this house. But she doesn't tell the kids that. So they're going under the assumption they're only going to be there like a week and then over the summer and then it was permanent. Uh, the kids, I I was annoyed at first because the kids, uh, the daughter's 12 and the son is 15. Don't get into nitpicking. We're going over the plot right now. I know. They're geniuses and um, they all go into the farmhouse just assuming oh great we don't know what this is for and then they stumble or well, i think it was the um well some spooky stuff happens and then they stumble across this is the sister really the, the the daughter she's the one that really stumbles across most of it um because the son you know there's a like a love plot line thing go, going on on like the side which she's kind yeah. of a, i don't care teenager type y- yeah basically and then, of course, they, they have a few throwbacks. Um, uh, they, where she finds a bunch of Ghostbusters things. Like she finds, well, the boy actually finds Ecto-1 and he gets it working again. Our, the, the, the daughter, the sister, she finds the uh, laser. Yeah. Yeah, that, she finds that and she finds a trap. And long story short, spooky stuff happens and they start using the Ghostbusters stuff to kind of try to stop the spooky stuff. Because 
they did something stupid, and then they have to kind of fix it. That's off a chain of events, yeah. Yeah. So, and we should point out the movie is right off the bat, 1,000, the biggest number you can think of, better than the 2016 version. Oh, my God. I, I, I didn't... I hate a strong word. I don't have strong feelings for Melissa McCarthy's 2016. Her, Leslie Jones, uh, Margot Robbie, and uh, the other woman. I forget her name. It wasn't Margot. It was Kristen Wiig. Well, Kristen Wiig. That's not Margot Robbie. God. Why yeah, Margot Robbie has talent. I'm kidding. But <laughs> why, I don't know was, why was Margot Robbie in my brain? Uh, either way, doesn't matter. I'm not um, saying the actresses in Ghostbusters 2016 are not talented. I was just making a joke. They're not talented, but the movie itself was it's just bad. It was so bad. But anyway, it's so much better because that one was just, oh, hey, audience, we know you wanted to see Ghostbusters 3. Guess what? It's not Ghostbusters 3, but here's all this Ghostbusters stuff just to make you shut up. And then... And here's the Ghostbusters ghosts, like Slimer and... and Here's ghosts that were from the original, and here's all the the outfits, the the lasers, the traps. Here's everything, but it's not Ghostbusters 3. No. They have Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and whatnot. They're all in the movie, but they're not playing, you know, Peter Venkman, Ray Stanton. No, they're just random cameos. Yeah, like uh, I think Aykroyd was in that movie. He was in the taxi driver. He's like, I ain't afraid of no ghost. He drove away, and it was just like, cringe ah what is the hell is this and i think murray in 2016 he was actually he didn't want to be a part of it but they were suing him to get him to be in that movie that sounds right yeah i heard something about that but i I think it's in a contract but still either way at any rate so i remember watching red letter media's review they have two reviews there's one like hour and a half long there's another one but anyway they did a discussion where they basically said that movie was made before Star Wars The Force Awakens came out. So had that movie been in production after that movie came out, it would have been different because Star Wars, obviously, Force Awakens has a lot of nostalgia. It brings back original characters and original things, and it continues the story, sort of. Um, and Ghostbusters 2016 is just a remake. It's not a reboot. So Yeah, it's a poorly so, done this is what so this one ghostbusters afterlife is what ghostbusters 2016 would have been if it had been in production after star wars had come out if that makes sense that does that make that does make sense because you wouldn't really have the uh the uh whole cast from 2016 i guess doing what they did yeah but anyway <laughs> so anyway. Right off the bat, this movie is a ton so much better than 2016 not to say that the people who were in 2016 are not talented people. That movie was just a turd. So, mm. but anyway, this movie did really, in a lot of ways, without getting into spoilers, it felt like Star Wars The Force Awakens because there's a lot of callbacks and the plot is, without getting into spoilers, it has a lot of things that are familiar. Actually, yeah, it kind of does, actually, when you think about it. Because, I mean, I, I watched... The first one, at least seven or eight times in my life, a lot when I was growing up, because I was my mom was a fan of those old movies. I still have my VHS copy here, actually, of the original Ghostbusters, and I do agree there is a lot of similarities. I mean, it's there, not 
completely the same. Same thing with Star Wars, but it's along the same line where when in South Park, where they pointed out how the Force Awakens and um, the original Star Wars movie, uh, and I think it was, was Empire, they were comparing it to how they're almost the exact same was, movie following like, the exact same you know, yeah, they were I could see the similarities. Well, so this one to answer to kind of correct you there, they said the Force Awakens was like a new hope, not Empire, but a new hope. Okay. But this one was not full of member berries. It wasn't just like remember remember Ecto One, remember Chewbacca, you know, or remember Ernie Hudson or you know, Rick Moranis, whatever. The mm. things that they do reference have a purpose. Right. In the story. I agree with that. It's not just it's Look not at. like in Ghostbusters 2016, Slimer shows up for no reason, and they have, what's the word? Like, the, the, the bad guy in 2016 shows up as the Ghostbusters symbol. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's, not, it's not a nostalgia bomb where it's saying, look at it, you like this, look at it. It doesn't have a purpose, but you know that you remember seeing this when you were little or when you first saw this movie, look, there it is. That's it. That's basically what 2016 was, was look at it. Look at it. I want you to look at it. No, this was, (laughs) this had references, but it was more in line. It was, it was appropriate. Yeah. They utilize, they actually utilized the references. They didn't just show up out of nowhere. Like Ecto one. It didn't, they didn't just look at it. And then, no, it in oh, the shed. and then it's like, oh, it doesn't work. And then just cover it back up that they didn't do that, thank God. But it's still, it's, it's just that kind of thing where they utilize it. They don't just gawk at it, show the audience, and be like, look, Ecto-1, no, remember this? And then that's it. There's no winking references where it's like, hey, remember this? <laughs> you like this, right? This, you like this movie now, right? Like Space Jam, where it's like, reference, 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 reference. And yeah. it's like, oh God. we should specify the new Space Jam. So that wasn't the original, but anyway, yeah, like the new Space Jam. It's not like that where it's like reference, 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 and it's like Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters two, Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters one, and then that's it. They don't do that, thank God. No, they don't really reference Ghostbusters two in this movie at all, really. Not I mean, I think again, of. again, it's like the one that you you kind of forget about it, even though there's only two movies. I think they briefly <laughs> mention. Like when they're researching the original Ghostbusters, something comes up like, "Oh yeah, they were sued and they didn't have enough money or something," which is basically something like that happens without going into spoilers. But they do kind of. There is a part of the movie where they research the original Ghostbusters because Paul Rudd's character oh. kind of just. Oh yeah, that's right. But so on YouTube, we'll get well. into we'll get into some good stuff and then some bad bad nitpicking, but. Good stuff overall. Like I said, it's it's respectful to the source material without winking to the audience. Some people might feel like it is, but I it wasn't like to me it hit you over the head. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It wasn't gonna bludgeon you with with visuals of something that you know and then just never use them again. Yeah. So this is the first good thing I wanted to mention, and I think it has to go along with that. The director of this movie is the son of the original director, Ivan Reitman. So Jason Reitman directed this one. And he's made really good movies before, like Juno, Up in the Air. I know he's done other ones, but he's, he's, I think this is like his biggest budget movie he's ever made, I think. Really? Yeah. But no, the, the, I feel like that 
gave the movie more credibility because they had the original Sons director. And I think the like Dan Acro was an executive producer and I believe Ivan Reitman was either a producer or an executive producer. So they had, you know, people come back, you know? Mm. Whereas I think Ivan Reitman was a producer in name only on the last one. But anyway, 2016. Anyway, so mm-hmm. Jason Reitman's direction was very good. He knows how to handle these characters. And I thought some of his choices for like showing shots or, you know, and he also wrote the movie too, which the, the script isn't perfect. We'll get into that later. But I thought he knows how to make a solid movie. The movie was very solid from a directorial and a writing standpoint. I agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> and um, I thought the cinematography was really good. The guy who shot the movie, I thought, because like it's a, it's a stark contrast from New York City. Because you said we said earlier it's similar, but as you mentioned, it's not a repeat like one hundred percent. This is in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's in the it's like a dirt town in the middle of Oklahoma. So like when they have like these faraway shots, um, like there's one where they're standing in front of the house, the farmhouse where the daughter's getting dropped off by a friend of hers. And you can see the house in the background, the flowers, the grass, the blue sky. You can see all, it looks, it looks real nice. Mm-hmm. And like the, the sunsets in the movie and like the night mm-hmm. shots. And there's a scene where they go to like, what I'm not even sure what they're called, but like the drive-in. Uh, it's not a drive-in movie theater, but like it's a drive-in, like kind of like, you remember the Flintstones where they would order food to the... It's like that old 50s diner with the roller skaters. It's a skating diner thing. Yeah, so like the lighting and, and is very good. So Which whoever, was wild to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visual effects, there's some ghosts in this movie that I thought didn't look too cheesy. And I think even like some of the ghosts were practical effects. I mean, I, the, metal, the metal one that was eating it, I think he was probably the uh, best looking one. Ooh, excuse me. I think the dogs, though, that were in that there, was they were... I just I didn't say what they were. I just said the dogs. Mm-hmm. They looked uh, practical. They didn't look as CGI. They did look practical. They didn't look CGI as bad. And a certain character, very okay. So two characters. Now that I think about it, but one character in particular was CGI, but it looked very good. Yeah, it was done very well. I was and actually. Then, there was another character who was a mixture of CGI and a person, which I thought mixed very well too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the effects, it's a very well-made movie. It looks very good. And again, the, another thing I liked was the music. They did a little too many callbacks, I think, to some of the original musical cues, I th- would you think? I mean, I didn't notice it as much. because I, I, I mean, I did hear some when they would play the music at some weird intervals but i i didn't really uh catch it as much i kind of brushed it off okay maybe just me having an ear just yeah but another thing we said is respectful of the source material it adds kind of to the mythos which will you know spoilers we'll get into that later but the, the way they kind of call back original but also building upon the original you know mm-hmm. it's funny and that, I mean, there are some dumb jokes, regardless of the little, because one of the, the little girl's running gags is that she tells really, like, dumb jokes. That, I'm not talking about that. She tells, talking, she tells dad jokes. Yeah, she tells dad jokes. But, like, some jokes I thought were really just kind of, like, 
a little just kind of like, hey, 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 but it wasn't like offensive, you know? I think one of the kid characters, the one the girl befriends, I thought his jokes were kind of a little bit dumb at some points. The kid uh, podcast? Yeah, his whole character is he, he has a podcast and he's just constantly recording it. So. And his name is Podcast, which... <laughs> I mean, hey. I mean, he wasn't... I, I mean, I liked his character. I just some of the jokes he did, I'm like, eh. Yeah. But as opposed to Ghostbusters 2016, and I'm sorry, we're going to compare it to that. It's not like Ghostbusters 2016 where they just do a bunch of fart and poop jokes and, and they do a bunch of jokes in, involving bodily autonomy. And I, I think the only two jokes that ever made me laugh in that movie was the one with the, the guy flipping them off. They deserved it. And then the one where Leslie just Leslie Jones smacks uh, Melissa McCarthy across the face to get the ghost out of her. I thought that was funny. And that's the only thing that ever made me laugh in that movie. I didn't, I didn't laugh at the middle finger thing. But <laughs> well, where he was whistling and he was like, look at a new species of bird. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and like anyway. no no character in this movie is incredibly stupid. Like Paul Rudd's character is like oh he's an, he's kind of like an adult child almost. Would you say? But he's also a size seismologist, so he's he's a scientist, uh, and he he's not he's not incompetent about it. He he's like trying to figure something out, and he's explaining it. Yeah, he he's actually he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's kind of like Randy Marsh when he was a geologist. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, again, like they kind of like show that he doesn't really care too much about teaching because basically all he does for summer school is he just show. He basically is a glorified babysitter, and he's putting on old movies like he put on Cujo and Chucky. For yeah, which I thought was funny, but but no, and I'll call it back to eighties movies too. My God, mm-hmm. he's kind of a man child a little bit, but he's not stupid. Like yeah. Like yeah, he man. talks about the Ghostbusters, but he's not. He he remembers these things. He does not a um, complete, complete weirdo about it. He's not obsessed. He's like, oh my god, blah blah blah. He's like, oh man, I remember this, blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, this totally, this there. You bring up a good point. They totally could have made him a huge fanboy, but they they didn't. They, they basically just made him a normal person who was like having a nostalgia flashback Basically. and he said oh yeah i remember when this happened because but it, blah, blah blah but it's not his entire character no his it's not which i thought was so much better than what they did to uh what's his name in 2016 oh gosh the, that was it the Hemsworth. i couldn't remember which Hemsworth it was but yeah they did him so dirty yeah, they did him so dirty in that movie. I, I just, I just don't get it. A lot of the characters too, like the mom, she feels real. She just kind of is fed up. They don't really get into why she's broke, but she does. She, they they bring up the fact that she has she has like severe abandonment issues, and she turned to alcohol because of it. You know, she they explain how you know her life kind of just fell apart because she didn't really think that her father loved her and he kind of walked out on everybody because she didn't know. She didn't know what was going on until later on in the movie. One joke that made me laugh was when they first get to the town, Finn Wolfhard, his character's like, really? No bars? And he's like, oh, there better be a bar. Because <laughs> so. he's trying to, yeah, he was basically trying to find him on his phone in yeah. case anyone's not getting the context. Yeah, but 
and yeah, it, the movie's slow when it needs to be. Like, it takes its time with the characters. Like, there's a couple scenes between Podcast and McKenna Grace's character, the girl, who, um, I think her name, I'm sorry, this is kind of a thing. Her name is Phoebe, but they call her Phoebes in the movie a lot. And the entire time I hear that, I'm thinking Phoebe from Friends. That's the entire thing I'm thinking of. I I was kind of confused, too, because I was wondering why they kept switching on and off between Phoebe and Phoebe. But anyway, anyway. But they, they take their time. Like, they show Finn Wolfhard working and trying to get the attention of the girl and whatnot, and then him hanging out with her. And, you know, there's some slow parts mixed in with overall story. So I like that. Hmm. So, I mean, any other good things you want to say without getting into spoilers? Because that's kind of what I had. Not getting into spoilers. I, I think that it would for a movie that was, I think, two and a half hours, it, it went by fairly quick. Um, I think the pacing was real well. Um, I want to say that the... I guess the siblings, that they'd had a very good relationship and they kind of worked really well with each other. They didn't go with the route that a lot of these things do where they're constantly like arguing and fighting over stuff. I kind of like how they went that route. Yeah, they felt real. They felt real. Yeah, they they weren't just like, oh, I'm the smart one. I, I, or the, the brother wasn't jealous of his sister for being smart and he wasn't, you know, some, some preachy whiny emo kid i I thought what he he was just trying to you know he's he's a 15 year old with hormones he's trying to you know get a girlfriend basically yeah it it, honestly i was like i am so glad they did not go down the route that a lot of movies with siblings do typically go down and that's the the rivalry route for no reason even though literally their lives are in danger but still there's going to be that one instant where either the brother or the sister is going to do some some BS and then it's going to, you know, prolong the plot because they did something stupid. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, let me think. Without getting into spoilers. So we can... That's what I was thinking. I was trying to think, like, don't want to spoil it, but, you know, I, I think that'd be good for me. And then when it comes to spoilers, I can give more... Uh, good examples okay so let's talk about some bad things without getting into spoilers the biggest nitpick i had with this movie was these this 12 year old girl knows how to operate like knows what this equipment is but also knows how to operate it like yeah that was my nitpick too with you because i remember i was telling you that i don't understand how when they first take the a uh electric laser shooter the thing they used to trap the, the, proton the pack. what the proton pack yeah that the proton pack i don't want to keep forgetting it and she just pulls the thing she's like oh safety's off like, how do you know that how did you know how to she knew how to fix it because i guess uh she had help from a, a ghost so okay fine you knew how to fix it how did you know how to operate it like how did you know how to turn how did you know how, how did the kid podcast know how to turn it on how did you know how to turn its safety off the the, the trigger is obvious but how, how did you know how to get it to stop like i, I just don't you didn't even struggle with it like it was just came natural to me you know yeah kind of, it's just that, that that was one part that got me 
Yeah, it, it just ugh. that was the it, one thing that really bugged me. But because she's twelve, she was born in this movie because the movie takes place in twenty twenty. She was born in two thousand eight, and yet she knows how to use, operate technology that that these guys had in nineteen eighty four. I'm pretty sure it was they said it took place in twenty twenty one because. Yeah, the movie was supposed to come out in 2020, but you know that they reshot it. Remember when they were in the tomb and they're going over 2021? Did it say? I thought it was 2020. I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, so this movie was supposed to come out in 2020, so I guarantee it was going to be 2020, and then they reshot it, or maybe it was a green screen, and they just were able to fix it to 2021. Okay, fine, fair enough, but still. So she's born in 2009, and she's using stuff that was used in 1984. Still, 25 years previous. Doesn't make a lick of sense. You mean 35? Oh, thir- oh. Really 37 if we're nitpicking, but anyway. Oh, God damn. Don't make me feel that old. <laughs> well, we were born oh. only a decade and some change after the first one. So. Oh, God. Yeah, I was born 12 years also, after the first I do want to say one good thing about the movie is they do bring back the theme song, but they don't like use it like in the way the 2016 did. <laughs> Yeah, they, like, don't, they, don't, they don't butcher it, honestly. Yeah. They don't. But anyway, like they don't have Missy Elliott do a version of it. Uh-huh. But anyway. So, uh, other bad things. I mean, really just the kids know. Like even the, the 15-year-old Finn Wolfhart, they said he failed his driver's test like three times, and yet he drives the car pretty well. I, I don't know if they were trying to say that he was like a lead foot speed demon or, or what? why he would have failed. I, I think that was the thing they were going with because he does, like, hit those turns and those curves, you know, fairly yeah. hard. I think that's what they were going, the angle was, was he's not a bad driver. He's just a dangerous driver. Sure. Which, okay, so this isn't really a spoiler because you see it in the trailer. There's that scene where they're trying, they're driving Ecto-1 trying to get the ghost, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of that's what I'm saying. Is like, so they get Ecto-1 to work, but it's been 40 years, so I'm surprised the tires lasted. And again, I'm nitpicking, but I'm surprised the tires lasted, that there was any gas in it, and that it lasted as long as it did after 40 years with, like, no oil change, no nothing. Uh, my uh, Another one, too, was the daughter just being a super genius. Like, in the beginning of the movie, um, you see her in their apartment, and she you see her tearing wires out of the wall. And she says, oh, well... Our our neighbor's electricity flow was getting real low, so I figured I would just redo it. And then I, it's then the mom's like, "What in the hell?" And she says, "Oh, well, you don't just don't know anything about science." And I'm like, "That's electrical nope. engineering. What are you talking about? That's that's not science. That's electrical engineering. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> so what I'm thinking is because the mom had abandonment issues. She wasn't really there. I mean, she seems like a good mom, but she it seems like the kids kind of had to do stuff their own because the kid, Finn Wolfhart, I think his name's Trevor in the movie, Finn Wolfhart, he does get Ecto-1 running again. Yeah, he, he does fix it. He does have some help from a, a ghost. You do see the ghost because able to uh, take some of the wiring on fix the like a spark. He fi- The ghost fix, fixes like a, like a spark plug. So. Yeah, it was, I don't think it was a spark plug. It was actually wiring on the engine. He he was able to tie it back together for him. Yeah, that's what it was. But anyway, yeah, that, that was kind of just real, one real big nitpick. But again, I feel like this movie was supposed to be a summer movie and kind of turn your brain off a little bit for it, which, you know, yeah. suspend your disbelief. But 
another one was during the car chase. It's like, really, there's no other cars. Cause like they were driving pretty well without hitting traffic. I get it's like a middle of nowhere town and it's like, but apparently it was like a, like a, like a, I guess it was a weekend or something. Cause I don't yeah, know. It, it also, there was no cops anywhere. Like they're going around with this proton pack. She, the, the girl, well, the cop pulled him over after the chase, but like yeah, during the- he pulled him over though hours after this chase because it was dusk, the sun was setting, and, and this happened during like broad daylight. Like I, I was like shocked. I actually told you I leaned over. I don't know if you heard me. I was like, "Where is the cops?" Because honestly, if a proton pack is being shot and a giant vault of electricity slices through a sign in the top of someone's truck. I would expect to see like four or five cop cars surrounding this very, very, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, non, uh, non, un, uh, or not non, but a recognizable, I guess, recognizable vehicle. I mean, how can you miss Ecto one? Well, it's like, even if they don't know Ghostbusters, it's a, it's a different car. So. It's literally an '80s Cadillac with a ghost and a bunch of of uh, lights all over it. Like yeah. I don't know how you can miss that car. Anyway, so another kind of dumb moment that's in the trailer is Paul Rudd opens the the ghost trap. It's like really you're going to open the ghost trap? You like he even says, "Wait, this isn't a replica. This is real." You would think there's something in it, but they're going to open it. Yeah, I was, as I told you, I was like, because they saw a little wisp coming out of it. And he's like, oh, let's open it. And I mean, also. He, he takes sparks, he takes spark plugs and turns it on. Like, how does he know where positive and negative is on that thing? Also, he went up and tapped it. Like, like he just walks up, just taps it. Like, oh my God. You have. Uh, hooked up to a, a school bus, by the way. Two of them. Two <laughs> yep. school buses. So there's all that juice running into these things, and he just walks up, and his smart, big brain idea is to see this metal object with two spark, uh, jumper cables attached to it just touch the top of the metal thing. Like, that was a smart idea. Like, Jesus. Yeah, so that's kind of just the... the- yeah um so overall like there's there's more good things about the movie than bad i would say i am i would watch this again i i actually might see if if my wife wants to go see this in theaters i you know if my in-laws wanted to go see it i'd see him with them i would see this again i don't know if i'd buy a copy of it but i'd give it a solid eight out of ten i'm gonna be there eight out of ten with you i might buy a copy of this i might but if not I might just see it again in theaters or if I'm flipping through the TV in a few years and it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah. It's, it's not one of those. It's like, I, I would see it again, but after that, like I'm pretty good. I think two or two, two, maybe a third viewing and then you should be, I mean, honestly, but if you're a hardcore Ghostbusters fan, like say you were a kid in 1984 and you saw that movie and you were like, yes, I want to see this movie or I want to see the new Ghostbusters. Cause this was really impactful in my childhood. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think you're going to like it. Yeah, it, it, you're not going to be as upset as you were five years ago. I yeah. mean, this... That was a slap in the face, man. Um, I think that is probably why Bill Murray and all the rest of them 
decided to come back because they were probably just so I, I mean they were treated all three all three of those men were treated so badly by by uh I think it was Warner Brothers was the one who made it Sony 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 they were treated so bad that I, I I know Bill Murray was sued I did check that he was because he was under contract he had to do the cameo and so did Dan Aykroyd they well, Dan Aykroyd's been wanting to make this movie since the 90s, but Bill Murray was always just like, no. Yeah, because, I mean, I get it, because he felt it was kind of be, like, kind of shameless. Right. Uh, it was a cash grab. So I understand where Bill was coming from, but I honestly think that when 2016 happened, he was just so, like, angry. <laughs> Probably he was like, you know what? I'll do this, Cameo, no problem. Uh, <laughs> I really hope that's the case. You just oh, yeah. oh shoot! Well, well, we're gonna be getting into spoilers here in a minute, I guess. Yeah. So, I guess big spoilers is that when I say it's like the Force Awakens, the original Ghostbusters do show up. You see Dan Aykroyd first, then you see Bill Murray, and you see Ernie Hudson, and even Annie Potts is in it, and Sigourney Weaver's in it for a scene, and. The big surprise for me was that they actually, it's not even just they talk about Harold Ramis, they have his likeness. Like, they CGI'd him into this. And as, a did, as a ghost. But it wasn't bad. No. They and, didn't, the thing you also, you told me you were surprised about, and I was too, was they did not have him have any lines. I was, really like that they didn't just get a guy to do a good impression of him. Like, he said a lot without using his mouth. You know, he just... Yeah, yeah silence, silence is a very powerful thing. It can be speak louder than words. And honestly, I, the way that they had him move and act with these people, I thought was very well done. So, I actually was getting kind of choked up when he was doing stuff, because he helps his granddaughter, he helps her, you know, use the proton pack at the battle at the end, and you get that shot of all four of them lined up. And Harold Ramis has been dead since 2014. So I'm assuming they got the blessing of his estate to do this. But. And the, the funnier thing too was, um, I think it was, um, uh, who was on first? Potts was it was on first? Or was it uh, Ackroyd who, who saw him first? Are you talking about who saw Harold Ramis first? Or who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when they saw the ghost, they're all lined up. Who's, who looked at him first? I cannot remember. Oh, Annie Potts wasn't in that scene. So I think it was Dan Ackroyd. Or maybe okay. Bill Murray, honestly. Yeah, because when all three of them are lined up, they look at him and it, like they they look back and they're like, just like keep staring back. They're like, oh, like first, and then they take a double take, like, oh, what the hell? And like, oh, and then I think Bill Murray he says, uh, oh, I knew you'd show up or something like that. Something very funny. I was like, yeah. And the characters are still there. Bill Murray is still the wise ass, and Dan Aykroyd is still the straight man. Ernie Hudson is still just. Well, they, they expand on his character, but basically Ernie Hudson is there to help. And mm. so they, so, okay, we'll come back to this. But the main plot of the movie is, so some guy in the 19th century, 20th century, he was a big, he was like a leader of a cult of Gozer, right? The Gozerian. And yep. he built this temple in Oklahoma to basically make it so that Gozer could come and basically with him and that kind of apparently he's the one who built the building that Sigourney Weaver lived in in 1984 and that was a first attempt to get Gozer to come and rule the world and this is just another one 
And it was built, that building, they even said, because this town in Oklahoma was picked for a reason, it had a, a, a very high electroconducting material that was eventually made into beams, which is what the building in New York City was made out of. I forget the name of the material, but it, it was like mined. But like the, yeah, it was mined in this town in Oklahoma. There's like a mine that's like a connection to the spirit world or something because they show the girl almost falling in. So, mm-hmm. and they explain the earthquakes is basically just Egon set it up, Harold Ramis set it up to that. All these proton packs are going off to stop Gozer from coming out of the of the underworld because all the yeah, earthquakes shocking them back down. So they they realized that. Which I thought was a was a nice thing, a nice touch. So, yeah, everything in this movie has a point. So it's not like also, they gloss over it. Also, my favorite thing I think with the the cameos was Bill Murray when he was like, "We could offend something, babe," where he, well, was, he was talking was really to Gozer, being a wise ass to Gozer, and well, and, was, so, and then and then um, Ernie tries to take a pot shot, and he's like, oh, "It was worth it. Was worth a try." But basically. <laughs> They, so they, the the plot of the movie is that Harold Ramis was trying to stop Gozer from coming back. So he traps, I think he traps Zool in that ghost trap. And so then Paul Rudd lets Zool out. And then Zool goes, and I think he possesses Paul Rudd at the Walmart. That was a funny Walmart scene, I got to say, with all the Save Puff Marshmallow men. I was like making comments uh, to you. I was like, honestly, I think my manager needs to take notes. And I, I, I will tell all my friends I work with at Walmart, like, you will not believe what's in this movie because they're, if I tell them how stocked and how nice it is, they will never believe me until they see it. But anyway, they had a Walmart scene with the Safe Puff, Marshmallow Men, little mini figures, which is funny. And then you first see Zool, and he basically does to Paul Rudd what he did to Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis in the first one, which is he eats him or whatever and then, you know, possesses his soul. And then their mom is the one the other one gets. It's the key master and the gatekeeper, right? I can't think of what the other one's name is. No, no, it was just, uh, oh, shoot. Hold oh, on, I'm going to look this up. It's go, go, Gozul or something? No, it, it's, so Gozer's the big one, but it's, it's Gozer and Zool, Vince, isn't it? Vince Clortho. Oh, Clortho. Yeah. Okay. So, that that makes sense. So one of them, it's I think Zool got Paul Rudd, and then Clortho got their mom. Oh no, Which, no, no. It, Zool was the mom because she says there is only Zool or whatever. There is no mom. There is only Zool. So then Clortho must have gotten Paul Rudd. So and the thing though with the mom too, when she got taken by Zool, I thought it was kind of uh, heart touching where they were because she was talking about how she has all these abandonment issues, how she how. Uh, she was left by her father and how he didn't care about them but it turned out he was keeping tabs on her the entire time he had pictures he had graduation cards he had all this stuff on a a wall which was like a uh, what do you call it one of them uh, dream boards like a collage collage of her life and I thought that was really sweet. I mean, it, it just kind of like brought it together where it was uh, like the do it for her thing from The Simpsons. He was you know trying I mean? to make sure that Gozer didn't come back, basically. So, hmm. And which, he had to give up everything, uh, everything to do that. Yeah, and they, 
one thing that kind of bugged me, and this is a nitpick, is Egon was like, oh, Gozer's going to come back, and yet Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie, they're all like, uh, what are you talking about? No, we took care of him. It's like, no, it, it would make sense that there's a possibility that Gozer can come back. But anyway. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of foolish. But there's a scene where the girl Phoebe, she calls Ray Stan, Stan Aykroyd, and basically tells that basically, what happened was they didn't have any money and then Peter Venkman went back to go teaching and he teaches like journalism or, or advertising or something. He and teaches, he taught uh, advertisement and uh, success. I think it was something about business, I think is what it was. Yeah. I know advertisement was in it. And Ernie it, Hudson actually, he started a business that became a big global entity. So that was pretty cool. And so, then also he found out that he paid the rent for the bookstore the entire world is living in yeah but at any rate so they're trying to get gozer back and i should point out because we're in, we're in spoilers gozer the body is played by olivia wilde which i saw that i saw her and i'm like is that olivia Wilde?" and then i looked it up after the movie i'm like yep that was her she's uncredited but it is her in the body like the voice is something else and also their cgi done by someone else but yeah, the, that, that was such a good scene uh by honestly the whole time when the daughter walked up and was talking to Gozer and Gozer says, Are you going to sacrifice are you going to die? Are you oh no, are you ready to die? I was honestly thinking of that scene from Game of Thrones with the uh, the mountain. Well somebody is. <laughs> honestly. I was just hoping she would say something like that. But oh anyway. god. So yeah. Anyway. They so then then they go to the farm and they realize that Egon had set up a million traps to try to get Gozer and he was going to use this like giant electrical thing. I can't think of what it was called. Basically used to that to power up all of them to get Gozer at the time. He was going to use these six, those six uh, generators. But Thank the you, problem man. was he could never get enough power, especially by himself. Cause you see that in the beginning of the movie, he just doesn't have enough power. Basically. And so, yeah, that's so one of my nitpicks kind of was that so they there wasn't really a very low point in the movie i was thinking and then there was when like basically they're trying to take out gozer and then one of the proton packs breaks because the little marshmallow men are, are messing with it and so like oh god what are we going to do and then the ghostbusters show up to help so it's it's peter ray and uh what is ernie hudson's character's name oh my god why am i hold on winston yes winston they show up and I'm thinking, okay, that makes sense. And then they try to cross the streams to get Gozer, and it doesn't work. She uncrosses the streams, and they're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? So that was kind of a low point. But then Harold Ramis's ghost comes in and helps them, and then I think, is it Finn Wolfhard, or is it is it McKenna Grace Phoebe? Is she the one who shoots the generators to power them up with the proton pack? It, it was uh, the brother. He, he shot it from the car because he was going to shoot. Because they after the marshmallow men, which, by the way, Still don't know where the hell they came from. After they were all taken care of by podcast with his taser, he decided instead of shooting Gozer, he shot the generator. Yeah, or something like yeah. But anyway. And I was thinking, you know, they're kind of low through the whole movie because like they're poor, they have to live in this crappy thing, and they're kind of yeah. So it it kind of made sense. It was kind of like an overall kind of like instead of one big slice of you know, instead of like one little thing of icing of a low point at the end, it was like kind of spread out around the whole cake. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So, but 
Yeah, so then, and then there's a really emotional moment after the thing where they show Harold Ramis reconnecting with his daughter, and then he kind of just goes up into the stars, afterlife, so. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very nice. Also, a nice touch to at the end was where uh, all the Ghostbusters, because Bill Murray had said that the fire, the place that they originally had it all, when it all started, had turned into a Starbucks. But for some reason, well, that was kind of a, a nitpick I had. But when, and then when and then when Ernie, you see him, you know, talking with uh, what's her name? Uh, oh goodness, Annie I can't Potts. Who is it? Annie Potts. Annie Potts. Yes, in his office. In his office, they're talking about life in the eighties and you know what happened afterwards. You know his life, where he is at now, and it's very short. But then you see him walking into the firehouse. It's just abandoned. It never was turned into anything. It was never a. St- it was just dust, and everything was still there. The fire pole, all of it. Yeah. So I was kind of like, well, wait. I thought that Bill Murray, his character, had said that it was now a Starbucks. So I'm a bit confused. I think it was Dan Aykroyd, but anyway, yeah, that's just nitpicking. Oh, Dan Aykroyd, not Bill Murray. God, you're right. But so, still, it was weird. But that's that's mm. what I mean. Where like the plot is very similar because it basically just goes are trying to take over the world again. But the way they do it, the kids are learning about it. So it's like that new generation. Because uh, like people brought their kids to this movie. You know, when we were sitting there, we sat next to a family with like a five year old or something, and there was a bunch then, of kids around us. And yeah, there there was some kids in the back. I don't know if you could hear them. They were like, "No, don't don't open up the ghost trap. What are you doing?" <laughs> and. So so he does a good job of explaining everything. Like I said, it's basically Ghostbusters: The Force Awakens, but it's it's still good. It's not like I, I'm trying to say I really enjoyed this movie, but it, it wasn't like hit your head over the head, hit you over the head with the references. You know, it, it was a feel good family movie trying to bridge the gap of a franchise that people really really enjoyed and bringing into the modern era, like trying to bridge the, that, that generational divide between the two where it's like, see how cool this is and still, you know, it kind of helps too that the son of the original director. So that kind of generational thing, the son of the original director directed this movie. So. Yeah. I, I, and I agree to that too. Yeah. That, that does kind of help do it. Cause he knows like, this is what people are into. This is what people do nowadays, as opposed to what they did in the eighties. So it, it just kind of bring that together in a very nice way. And he knows to be respectful to the source material. So, and I'm actually going to look this up real quick. If Ivan Reitman, yeah, he produced this. So he was like the producer. It looks like it looks like he he didn't um, executive like so. Dan Aykroyd was an executive producer, but Ivan Reitman was the producer. So that was a good thing. That's good. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, 32 years after the events of the second film. Jeez. Okay. Well, yeah. So. Anything oh else you want to mention? Um, well, like I said, I didn't like how the girl was just a wicked mega genius and the kids knew how to use the technology like right off the bat. Uh, I, I, uh, you know what? I think that was really, that was mostly most my big thing was I was just like kind of hating that kind of thing where the kids somehow just know more right off the bat than like the adults do but other than that i mean nothing really hardcore that i you know want to bring down to the table i mean a lot of it was just 
it's not yeah. a perfect movie. It does have its, you know, plot points. Uh, I mean, like, I guess not even plot holes, but just moments where you're like, wait a minute. X, y, one thing really, really bugged me was like the little remote control trap. It's like, how is that keeping up with the Act of One? Yeah, that too. Because you would think if that little car is keeping up with a, a car that's going at least 55, 60, then if that's the case, this doll, the, I forget which one was chasing him, the, one of the dog creatures, it tried to just attack the little trap where it's like it could literally just taken the car out and gotten rid of you guys. Like right then and there, basically. So, I thought that was kind of foolish, but yeah. So overall, you know, if you've listened to the spoilers, I hope you've seen the movie before you got into spoilers. But yeah, it's it's a very good movie. I quite enjoyed it. I would see it again, and I don't know if I'm gonna buy a copy, but I would see it again. Again, I'm I might. I'm not sure, but if if I saw, I would probably see it again. And if it was on TV flipping through in a few years i'd watch it so thank you all for listening to our review um i would definitely recommend seeing the movie sorry mm-hmm. we didn't do an episode this week i got sick and i'm still a little bit sick but i'm doing better so but hey, go see it as soon as you can if possible highly I recommend want this, i want this to make money more money than the, the 2016 one because i don't want them to be like see we didn't we didn't need to make a Safri or whatever it's whatever. Yeah. So, I ugh. So, I think this is a million times better than than the 2016 one. I even I think it's better than Ghostbusters 2 personally. So, I I think it's a nice tribute to fans. I really do. Yeah. So, at any rate, thank you all for listening. We will be back later this week. We're going to talk about some Thanksgiving movies and we're going to continue Thanksgiving. So, mm-hmm. thank you all for listening. <laughs>